Philippians chapter 2, verse 25. And the Bible says this, Paul wrote it. And, uh, and he said, yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. I want to talk to you tonight uh, about Epaphroditus. Lord willing, I want to preach you tonight about the testimony of an early Christian. And there's some things we can see just from that verse that'll help us be better Christians. Amen. In the, in the nasty now and now. Epaphroditus was from Philippi. That's why his name shows up in this epistle. Amen. Paul's second missionary journey took him there to Philippi. Let me get the verse. He shows up over that. We get that out of Acts 16. And uh, I'm sure it was in here the other day. Acts chapter 16 and verse 9. And it says this. And a vision uh, appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Amen. Uh, uh, they needed help. That's for sure. They were pagan as could be. Thankfully, pagan religion, not then nor now, is any match for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says, uh, I am not, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Amen. And so he saw the vision, he responded to the vision, he went there, and, uh, and, uh, well, that's how you end up meeting Epaphroditus, established in a church. We've got a fabulous letter in the Pauline epistles. Amen. Now, let me say this. Uh, uh, uh this is in, uh, uh, Philippi was, you know, one of the ancient cities of Greece. They had gods and goddesses. Amen. Uh, patron gods and goddesses. Like, you remember reading about Ephesus and they had Diana. And uh, there was some people upset because they made a living uh, making idols and stuff. And uh, so uh, Philippi, their 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 goddess is uh, Aphrodite. Aphrodite, amen. And uh, and all like I want to say this: all those cities had different gods and goddesses. It reminds me of the cities in America today with their professional sports teams. Amen. Yeah, amen. Now, let me just say something to you. Uh, these cities were consumed in idolatry because they worshiped the wrong thing. I'm not against sports teams, but I am against idolatry. So you got to learn to keep that stuff in perspective. Amen. And a lot of people put more emphasis on that, know more about their favorite team, more more about the statistics, more about the players than they know about the players in their goodly heritage in the body of Jesus Christ. That's, that's out of order. Amen. All right. So, so their goddess here, I said it, her name was a pap was Aphrodite. Now, which brings us to this obvious. Reality that the fellow we're talking about tonight is named Epaphrodite. Uh, I might be out at a Harley shop with a brother out in California 
and he's getting ready to buy a bike, and here comes the main sales finance person, and uh, I'm just tagging along, and I mean, I've got my hand on a track. He gets uh, halfway across the dealership, and I'm getting ready to introduce myself and tell him about Jesus, and uh, and he's got uh, he's got red hair, and uh, and uh, he was a you know well built guy, about six two, you know, he wasn't some wimp, and. Uh, Hey, can I get ready? Hey, man, my name's Dave. What's yours? And he said, Ginger. And it kind of derailed me because, like, I'm focused on giving him a track. And the first thing I could think of was, oh, I bet that was fun growing up with. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Remember that a boy named Sue thing, that guy, that Johnny Gansing? Yeah, figured he'd grow up tough. I bet you Ginger looked pretty tough, too. Amen. What do you think it was like for Paphrodite? Amen. This guy's grown up in an ancient Greece culture, and he's named after the woman goddess. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you something. There's some stuff here about him. Not much is said about him. His name only shows up maybe three times. Uh, two I can think of right off. Not much, but what's said about him is a big deal, kind of important. Uh, it says, we'll read the verse again, yet I suppose it necessary. Well, let's pray first. Father, thank you for grace. And I pray and ask God, you just see fit to continue to manifest yourself. There's a good spirit here. Father, help me not to run you off, Lord, with some foolishness. Help me to say what you'd have said. May it be received in the spirit that I'm putting it out. My desire is to be a help and a blessing to these people. And Father, I just pray, God, that at the end of this thing, your will would be accomplished. You would be pleased. Your people would be helped. And Lord God, we would just fall in love with you a little bit more and look forward to you coming and be busy between now and then. And uh, Lord, we just submit the service to you and I pray it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Paul says this, uh, yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother. So there said something about the guy right there. He's a brother. Amen. He's a believer. Okay. And, you know, you can, well, that's obvious. Well, it's not obvious. It's in black and white. Paul said it. I want to bring your attention to Acts chapter 9 and verse 17. After Paul gets saved on the road to uh, Damascus, he's smitten with blindness. God speaks to another disciple in a vision and tells him to go and lay hands on him. And uh, that's all another message in itself. But 17, Acts 9, 17 says this. Uh, and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, had sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. He greeted him with those words, Brother Saul. Obviously, he's not talking about blood kinship. <laughs> there's a expression on the street, you know, uh, brother from another mother. Well, maybe something like that. But uh, he called him brother, and, and here's why. That book says in Second Chron- uh, Chronicles, Second Corinthians, they're all good. But Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen says, "Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new." And one of the things that become new when you become a believer in Jesus Christ is He puts you in His family. 
That's one of the things that happened. And he's got a big family. And if you're saved in here tonight, your brother, brothers and sisters, not just with each other, but with me and her. And I just want to say, you've got a lot of brothers and sisters. Amen. All over the world. In the body of Christ, it's significant to me that he points out, not just lets it be obvious, he's a member of the church, he delivered a message, he called him brother. Let me tell you something, I've been called a lot of things, but to be called a brother in Christ, amen, that's about as good as it gets down here. Amen. I'm like Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ either. Now, again, I I pointed out they're not, they're not blood kin, but they became brothers upon each of their uh, uh, conversion to Jesus Christ. We know when Paul met him. We don't know about Ananias, but it happened somewhere prior. And that, listen, let me tell you something. I've used this, I've exercised this this week. This, hello, brother. Hello, sister. That comes in so handy when you're going to a different church every week and you need a couple days to remember people's names. It just makes it real easy uh, to break the ice. Okay, good. Make sure you got that. Amen. I'm glad uh, to be here. Now, here's what I want to say. All right, I need uh, I need you and you, Josh. All right? Yeah, I'm going to let you guys help me out. Just stand... Stand, you can stand right there. Everybody see them? I want you to face each other. Now, let's maybe get something clear. Are you saved? Are you? So you guys are brothers in the Lord? All right? I want you to face each other. Closer. I want you to shake hands with each other. I want you to notice something. Would you? Come on. A brother relationship, brother in Christ, relate, put that back, brother's relationship in Christ is, don't look at me, look at each other, face to face, you see that, a brother's relationship is face to face, did you get that, you guys, you know, you're not doing that great, okay, you can break, break, and it goes, now. amen, well, that's significant, you'll see, you'll see a little later. Man, I should have briefed them, though. Hey, Amen. That's okay. And then, and then, okay. So let's. Where's our text? <laughs> we got one. Uh, yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother. Now I said there's some things about him, and uh, that are worthy of note. And he's a brother. Epaphroditus is a brother. I mean, this is Apostle Paul saying that. And uh, so then, a brother's relationship is face to face. And then the verse goes on and says, "It said, my brother and companion in labor." Now, Paul was all about the work. Amen. And he calls Epaphroditus a companion in labor. Now, that word companion, by definition, means one who keeps company with another, one with whom a person frequently associates, that's not casual, and and converses. That's what a companion is. It's not a casual relationship, amen, it's like good friends type of thing, and uh, I just want to say there's other types of companions, most definitely, and and I'll give you one example, in Proverbs 13 and verse 20, uh, the Bible says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. 
Now, you got a choice right there, and it seems like it'd be kind of obvious, except for so many, myself included, chose to be a companion of fools. The Bible said a companion of fools shall be destroyed. In my years with the motorcycle club, we buried 41 guys. There's a brother in here already pointed out about uh, 1979. We had four we had four killed in Charlotte, 11 funerals in 1979. I was told as a, at 22 years old after coming out of the paratroopers, in this life you will die young, spend a lot of time in prison or both. And I was just young and dumb enough to say, I can handle it. And in 15 years, I saw over 100 go to the penitentiary, over 20 of them for murder, four on death row, and I got saved in jail, and I read through my Bible, and that book says a companion of fools shall be destroyed, and I'm going to tell you what, it takes me to the foot of the cross, and I am reminded that God has been good to this sinner right here. Amen. You can be a, you can be a companion to all kinds of folks, but I'll tell you what, you do well to emulate Epaphroditus and get yoked up with somebody that's doing something for God. Because Epaphroditus, I mean, he's going down in history. I mean, in a book that's going to last forever. He's recorded as being a companion in labor of the Apostle Paul. Now, my wife, my wife, I got to tell on her, she's bookish. In other words, she reads a lot. I know, it's weird, but she does. She reads everything. She reads books. We have hundreds and hundreds of books at our house. Now, a lot of them are mine. I've got an be- unbelievable library. I had a preacher come to my house one time, and he, he's looking at, I mean, I got, and he said, wow, this is pretty amazing. You've got some really, really good books. And I'm going, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then he said, Brother Spurgeon, have you read all these? And I looked at him, I said, Read them? I thought preachers were just supposed to collect them. <laughs> I'm still reading the one they gave me in jail. Amen. <laughs> but she's bookish. She reads and reads and reads. And uh, sometimes she tells me things that, you know, I can use, like I'm fixing to. And then sometimes she tells me things that I don't even remember, like usual. But this one here. She's reading a book on Amish people. Uh, and we're from Ohio, so we got them up there in Ohio. And they're fascinating. We preach in Worcester, Ohio, and there's Amish community we drive through, and they're out there with, I mean, I've seen guys out there behind four, even six big old mules and plow horses and doing everything the hard way. And, uh, and, uh, so she's reading a book about it. She goes, Oh, this is really fascinating. They, in the Amish community, I don't know, remember, it doesn't matter when, it could have been last year, uh, they were having a plow horse competition. Amen. They get together, and and to you and I, that'd be the equivalent of a tractor pull. You know, we have track. They have they don't have tractors, so they've got. And I mean, they bring their plow horses um, in from all over Amish world, and uh, and uh, and they're you know and they're going to compete. I don't know what you win a strawberry pie. I don't know, but uh, but. Uh, and I'm not trying to make fun of the Amish. I'm trying to get this across to you. Um, so some of these teams are, I mean, well-bred. They got a pedigree. 
Amen. Some of them are magnificently groomed. Amen. They're kind of plain, but their horses are really nice. And uh, and some of them are very expensive, and they're teamed up, and they're matched up. And uh, she's reading about this competition. It's a big deal. And uh, and then she tells me about there's a team of horses that have been entered, and they don't have any of that. They're they're not they're they're mismatched. One's bigger, one's older, one's young. They're not beautiful. They don't have a fancy pedigree. They're not expensive. Of course, you know where I'm going on this. When you get to the end of the competition, they won. And it wasn't because and this is why they're in this message. It wasn't because uh, they were expensive. It wasn't because they're pretty. It wasn't because of their breeding. It was very simply because they pulled together. So when Paul compliments Epaphroditus as being a companion in labor, amen. Let me give you a verse. In Matthew 11, verse 29, the Lord himself said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And beloved, when you get yoked up with the Lord Jesus Christ, something can get done that will last forever. Remember, we preached on sowing to the Spirit. You love the Spirit, reap life everlasting. Okay, companions in labor. What do you think? Can I trust them again? All right, I I want all four of you this time. All four of you. Yeah, that's right, Junior. You too. With the blue shoes. All right. Now they're fine. All right, I want you to stand side by side. All right. And I want you to do an about face. Okay. None of you guys are in the army? What's up? Okay. Yeah, turn around. All right, tighten it up a little bit. Shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, that means move together. All right. That's good. That's good. You see him right there? You want a companion in labor relationship isn't face to face. That's a brother. A companion in labor relationship with each other, companions in labor, is side by side. Working toward a common goal. Not competing, not trying to upstage, not trying to get ahead, not jockeying for position. Companions and laborers are working together and in the context for the cause of Jesus Christ. All right, men, thank you. Thank you very much. That is, you're getting better. You're getting better. Amen. Or I am. One of us is getting better. Amen. And let me say this. Now, we're in uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, but I want you to just flip over and look at something in Philippians chapter 4, because Paul also um, mentioned female companions in labor. Amen? And since he did, I shall. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 3, the Bible says this, I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. You see that? Yeah, but I thought, that's your problem. You're doing more thinking than you are Bible reading. It says, which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. So there was some women in the early church that were considered by Paul 
to be fellow laborers, not uh, 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 fellow laborers, it says in the gospel. Amen. Now, let me just throw this at you. You know why Susan and I are able to do what we do, traveling around the country, amen, confined to like a 400 square foot motor home, coast to coast, amen, why we're able to, for 25 years, and, and, and maybe you just think, well, you two are just such a perfect couple. Lest you be, uh, you know, deceived, uh, we don't do what we do because we agree on every little thing. Here's the main reason. She's a woman. I mean, who agrees with a woman on everything? Got real quiet there. I thought that was, amen. Besides, I'm Irish. So I don't even agree with myself on everything. Here's why. We got to move on. I can see that right now. I can see. Here's why. Here's why her and I are able to do what we do together for Jesus Christ. It says this in Psalm 119 of verse 63. It says, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep my precepts. We both have the same goal. We're companions in labor in the work of God. As a matter of fact, on the top of my prayer letter, it says evangelist and Mrs. David Spurgeon. And then the verse in, uh, let me see, 1 Corinthians 3, 4. We are labors together with God. That's quite a compliment to be considered a companion in labor by the Apostle Paul. They speak highly of Epaphroditus, and it would speak highly of you, and you can become a brother by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But a lot of people are saved, and many of them go to church faithfully, but they're not involved in anything. And I'm just trying to encourage you, you do well to get on board with something the Lord's doing so that you might be a companion in labor. Amen? All right. And then uh, the last, the third thing. And it says, let me see, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier. He's called a fellow soldier. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look at a couple verses right there. Ephesians chapter 6. Let me see. And uh, I want verse 11, but I just can't read this without reading verse 10. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11 uh, Got too many pages there. Verse 11 says, put on there, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Where, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Amen. Uh, and then you notice the whole armor of God described in detail in verse 14. It begins, it says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and let your feet be shod, and let, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, 
which is the Word of God. There's the whole armor of God. That's what the passage is telling you to do. Put on the whole armor of God. All of it except the sword of the Spirit is defensive. Amen. It's to protect you. So, that's true. And I've heard it said, I've heard it's preaching, good preaching. I've heard it said that uh, uh, you better not retreat. You better not even turn around because your back will be unprotected. Okay, I get that. I get that. Bear with me. We're supposed to be heading into the spiritual battle. We are equipped to head into the spiritual battle. But, all right, I need these two big boys again. You, Josh, and I didn't catch your name, but I'm fixing to. What is it? What is it? Epaphroditus? No, I'm kidding. All right. All right. Now, let's have a little, let's have a little refresh. All right. Show me a brother's relationship again. Face to face. You get it? Show me a companion and labor's relationship. All right. You get it? Side by side. Working toward a common goal. Working together. All right. But I want to tell you what a soldier's relationship is. Turn back to back. Back to back. I'm getting dizzy. Amen. Listen, you know, the whole armor of God is uh, indeed on the front. But I'm going to tell you what, your back should never be unprotected because soldiers have each other's back. You hear me? All right. Thank you, man. Amen. That's the truth. He's a fellow soldier. Amen. With the world, the flesh and the devil against us. Beloved, I'm talking, are you saved tonight? We're supposed to have each other's back. The Bible says in Second uh, Timothy 2 and verse 3, uh, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of, of, uh, of Jesus Christ. And let me just tell you, it's a lot easier to endure hardness of sacrifice and disappointment, spiritual warfare. Amen. If someone, if you just know somebody's got your back. Amen. Not talking about you behind your back on social media. Amen. Not looking for an opportunity to stick a knife in your back so they can promote them. You follow what I'm saying? Pavroditus was a fellow soldier. Uh, Paul called him a soldier. Amen. And, uh, and, uh, amen. Uh, 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 so he's a brother. I'm about done. He's a brother. He's a companion of labor. He's a fellow soldier. And those things can and should. Be said about you if you're saved, have been saved very long. Now, maybe you're still in training. I get that. But uh, I'm trying to challenge you uh, uh, to, to meet up to the to, to very realistic standard that this early Christian met. Amen. Let me say it like this. Uh, are you the brother? Or I'm not asking if you're saved. If you love the Bible, I'm not asking you that. I'm not pretending that it, you're not might be going through something. Things uh, people do. Sometimes, uh, but are just, are you the brother? Ask yourself, are you the brother or sister that you should be? And the problem that prevents that from happening is we get wrapped up with thinking it's all about us. And it's not. It, no, it is all about, it's all about us. But it, it's not about us as individuals. We're part of something bigger. Much bigger than our individuality, our family unit, 
Are you hearing me? I'm trying to just provoke you to think about the huge responsibility, yes, but the huge privilege to be a brother or a sister in Christ. And let me ask this. Are you involved in something God's doing? Epaphroditus was a companion of labor. Everybody can't go to the street. Everybody doesn't go to the jet. Whatever. There's a number of ministries. But everybody can do something. I had a lady say, brother, an elderly lady. And now I think she was about my age. It was a while ago. And she said, brother, I wish I could do more. And she was talking about financially. She said, I wish I could do more to help you guys. And she said, but all I can do is pray. I said, are you kidding me? A million dollars isn't more precious to us than prayer. You hear me? Everybody can be involved in something. In the work of God. And in an independent Bible-believing Baptist church. I don't know what everybody else is saying. It doesn't matter. But here, we know we're part of something. And if we'll work together for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Something can get done. Amen. And, and, and so let me, are you a fellow soldier? I mean, for real? Are you a fellow soldier? Because the next verse that we all like, you know, endure hardness as a good choice. The next verse says, no man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of this life that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. And you know what we do? We get sucked into the thing, the mentality that we got to have things we can't afford. And the next thing, we're involved in things that are keeping us from being a good soldier, whether it's debt or activity. And uh, we need to get that thing straightened out. Maybe the key, and sometimes uh, you can get so entangled, it seems a bit overwhelming. Listen, with God, all things are possible, but the step toward getting unentangled begins with praying, with asking God. Little by little. Amen. And it's a blessing. We should be fellow soldiers, not just deadbeats letting somebody else do all the fighting. So I told you three things about Epaphroditus in the passage. And I give them to you. Three things. Did you get them? You want another demo? No. They're tired. I wore them out. But, you know, I'm an evangelist, so I got to give you the two extra things for free. For free. All right. So the verse, so we're back in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 25. And look at the end of the verse. Well, let's read the whole verse again. Uh, or maybe not, because I lost. No, here it is. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, see it, and companion of labor, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. He's also called a messenger. He was a messenger from the church to Paul, and he delivered the message. And I got news for you. If you're saved here tonight, you've got a message too. You've got a message that needs to be delivered. What's the message? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the message the world needs to hear. And they don't even know it. But you know it. And you can be all the things, the brother, the companion, labor, the fellow soldier, and you can be the messenger carrying the most valuable message, the most important message ever proclaimed 
to a lost and dying world that Jesus Christ, all them weirdos out there, died for them, same as he did you. And the verse finishes, they, and Paul said, he ministered to my wants. And that's no small thing either, because that word minister as a verb means to help or to serve. And if we'll help and we'll serve and we'll not do it for uh, 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 for uh, attention, amen, uh, we can be, well, we need each other to help and to serve. Let me ask you, uh, are you a helper or a perpetual taker? You know, young Christians, you just, I mean, feasting on the riches of his grace, that's all well and good. But you get to a point where you realize you need to start giving back. You can minister to somebody somewhere. And sometimes we, "Mm, that's kind of getting out of the comfort zone. No, yeah, let me tell you something. Right outside of your comfort zone is the will of God. And there ain't no better place to be than that. All right, let's all stand. Easy message tonight. Let me ask you, are you saved? Amen. Because all this is off limits until you get saved. You need to get saved and say, well, I don't know about all that. I don't know if I want to be all that. Well, how about, what do you think about burning in hell? Because if you die without being saved, that's where you're going. That's where you're going to end up. And it won't be Jesus' fault. Somebody said, that's not fair. That's not fair. He put people in hell. No, I tell you what's not fair. Him giving his only begotten son to make a way for our sins, because we're sinners, our sins will be forgiven, and then we just blow it off. like it's not. That's what's not fair. So if you're in here tonight and you're not saved, you need to get saved. You better get saved. You can get saved. And the rest of you, well, you got your, you got your commission tonight. Now it's just a matter of deciding what you're going to do with it. Amen.